You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia. Or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks. And automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations. So you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology. Real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9. With available all-wheel drive and seating for up to seven adults. With zero to 60 speed that thrills you one minute. And available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. Welcome to a special Encore edition of Broadway Nation. In the fall of 2021, I devoted two episodes to the remarkable book Footnotes by Cassine Gaines, which was published to commemorate the 100th anniversary of the landmark musical Shuffle Along. Now that book has just been re-released in paperback and retitled When Broadway Was Black, the triumphant story of the all-black musical that changed the world. So this seemed like the perfect time to re-release those episodes, and just like Cassine has done with his book, to include some new and updated content. First, you'll hear a segment of the discussion I had with Cassine just last week about the book's re-release, and then the first half of our original conversation. And I'll be re-releasing part two with even more new content as a bonus episode this coming Sunday. Here we go. So welcome, Cassine Gaines. It's so wonderful to have you back on Broadway Nation to talk about the reissue of your book, which seems to be an unusual thing for a book to be reissued so soon after it was first published and under a new name. How did that all come about? Well, first of all, thank you for having me back. It is an absolute pleasure. You know, we were readying for the paperback release, and it's sort of interesting because when my book came out in hardcover, it was titled Footnotes, and while it's focused on 1921's Shuffle Along, I really, in the last chapter, kind of engaged the reader with a conversation about what Broadway is like today through the lens of racial representation. But when I was writing it, actually, Broadway was completely dark. It was sort of an interesting thing. We wanted to make sure that we hit that May 2021 centennial of Shuffle Along, and we did. And I think that for anyone who has the hardcover, which is released under the title Footnotes, it's still a great conversation, but it felt like so much had happened when Broadway reopened, especially from the lens of racial representation in terms of renaming theaters. You know, a lot of Black playwrights having an opportunity to have their shows on Broadway. So when we were getting ready for the paperback, I very sheepishly sort of asked, do you mind if I make some changes to the last chapter? And they said, well, you know, some minor changes. And then I I wrote a bit and they ended up being more than just minor changes. And I said, well, since I did that, can I write a new introduction? (laughs) And they, they allowed me to do that very graciously. And 
I had found a number of new photos since the book had been released. And in fact, some people actually sent me some wonderful ephemera. There's a great photo in the book of the press booklet for the 1952 Shuffle Along. And Pearl Bailey is on the front cover of this press booklet, even though she ultimately does not end up starring in that production. Someone Mm -hmm. mailed me this, actually, after having read footnotes. And so I was able to scan that and get that in the book as well. And it felt like we had made so many little cosmetic changes, some of them kind of substantive changes that I just kind of went for broke and said, you know, what what about <laughs> what about reissuing it under a different title? And they agreed. And so for me, you know, I always love the title footnotes. I think that it was really kind of important to look at the way in which this history had sort of been marginalized over time. But I actually really like this title because it feels more celebratory of what they accomplished and looking more at that period of time where you had a number of all Black Broadway shows running concurrently, not just shuffle along. And so I like the idea of just changing the focus a little bit to not so much being, you know, them being forgotten, but really more just uplifting this period of time where they were on top. Well, and certainly at the time, they were not footnotes at all. They were front and center, Yeah, which I think is what we have forgotten. That's why it's become a footnote. But I think the new title does, as you said, reposition it to focus on the incredible impact it actually had in the moment. Yeah, and it is an unconventional thing a little bit, but the way that I sort of describe it to people is it's like when the Lord of the Rings films came out and then, you know, after nine months, they reissued the films with, you know, a half hour of new material in each of them. It's sort of the same thing. I truly do believe that anyone who read footnotes will gain something new and different from when Broadway was Black, particularly in the last chapter. And there are lots of little changes throughout. You know, it's not just the beginning and end of the book. There are lots of little areas where I had some more information. Just for example, there's more about the relationship between Josephine Baker and Lottie G. They had a very close lifelong friendship. And there's more about that in the book. There's more about the 1952 production of Shuffle Along. There's just little pockets of color, I guess, and some more anecdotes that I kind of worked in. I think most writers are like this, where you can tinker forever with your book. And I had an opportunity, I exploited an opportunity to go back in <laughs> and tinker a little bit. And I, so I tinkered wherever I could. It's just like a Broadway show. They always say it's never finished. It just opens. It's never frozen. There's just ice. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Which you say in the book. Yeah. So I assume also since footnotes came out, people came out of the woodwork to respond to what you had done. Yes. How did that feel? I'm sure that it feels wonderful to have people notice what you've done. But did they also come forward with some information that you were like, damn, I wish I'd known about that when I wrote the book? To be honest, yes, actually. I get amazing emails. You know, this isn't my first book, but this is the one that I think I've received the most correspondence. And people have shared all sorts of stories. I don't think there's a person in America who was alive in the early 1980s who didn't meet Yubi Blake. I feel like I've heard from thousands of people who had met Yubi Blake or seen him speak somewhere or seen him perform. So I've heard lots of Yubi stories, but I've also heard really interesting stories about some of the other Broadway shows that were running in the 1920s and 1930s. And so there's a little bit more detail about some of those other shows as well. And to be honest with you, I think some of the questions and conversations people have had around the book did give me an opportunity when I was going back into it, not so much correct, but maybe just provide a little bit more context 
about this aspect of the Shuffle Along story or this aspect of the Miller and Lyles story. So that was sort of interesting because I did have the opportunity, and I think really careful readers will note that there is a little bit of, I wouldn't say responding to, but I would say just sort of expanding the focus in some key areas to maybe look a little bit more broadly at what was going on on Broadway through the time that Cecil and Blake and Miller and Lyles were working. And again, to use our Broadway analogy, you got to have a preview audience response to your book, and then you made changes based on that. Yes. And now it's frozen. You know, I <laughs> call I you Miss Birdseye. <laughs> or, there's, or there's ice. You know, it's funny. I just spoke last week with Noble Sissel Jr. I think when we spoke before, David, I told you that I interviewed him for the book and he was a great asset. And what I really take very seriously is Noble Sissel Jr. saying that unless you live in New York, you know, New York is a very unique place where we got the 2016 shuffle along. But if if you weren't in New York, besides that four minutes on the Tonys, you didn't get that show. You didn't get a cast album. You didn't get a pro shot. You know, unless you're in the New York area or maybe specifically Manhattan, there is no kind of national presence for shuffle along outside of books like When Broadway Was Black. And so he said, my father in his later years, his number one sort of concern, not really regret, but concern was, I just wonder if anyone will remember what we did. You know, he said that his father said that so many times. It was like a question that haunted him. And so to be really honest with you, I know that it's unconventional to go back into a book, but I also felt like if this is going to be the document on Shuffle Along, and I hope it is the document on Shuffle Along, then I want to make sure that it is the most comprehensive document. And so part of the impetus for opening the book back up was some of that information that I had learned since May of 2021. And I'm so glad that Sourcebooks, my publisher, agreed that it was worth doing because it's an unconventional choice all around. You know, it requires a little bit of it it, it requires a little bit of dancing, you know, to pull it off. But I'm glad that they did that. Now, here's the first of those original episodes. Welcome to another episode of Broadway Nation, the podcast that tells the remarkable story of how immigrants, Jews, queers, African-Americans, and other outcasts invented the Broadway musical and how they changed America in the process. I'm David Armstrong, and I call this episode 100 Years of Shuffle Along, Part 1. This year marks the 100th anniversary of Shuffle Along, the groundbreaking musical that kicked off a decade of vibrant Black musical theater on Broadway, which included more than a dozen shows created by Black songwriters, Black book writers, Black producers, Black directors and choreographers, and that brought hundreds of Black actors, singers, dancers, and musicians to Broadway. 
This landmark event is being celebrated this year with the release of two wonderful new books, including the first full biography of Shuffle Along's composer, which is titled Ubi Blake, Rags, Rhythm, and Race by Richard Carlin and Ken Bloom, and Footnotes, the black artist who rewrote the rules of the Great White Way by Cassine Gaines. I have had the great pleasure of interviewing the authors of both of these books, and you will have the opportunity to meet all three of them in a series of upcoming episodes. Today, it is my honor to introduce you to Cassine Gaines, whose extraordinary new book, Footnotes, tells the story of how four young black artists, Noble Sissel, Ubi Blake, Floynoy Miller, and Aubrey Lyles, overcame poverty, racism, violence, and the legacy of slavery to produce a runaway Broadway hit that ushered in both the Harlem Renaissance and the Jazz Age on Broadway. If you pay close attention to Broadway, as I know many of my listeners do, you will remember that in 2016, writer and director George C. Wolfe created a star-studded Broadway musical that he called Shuffle Along, or The Making of the Musical Sensation of 1921 and All That Followed. As that title suggests, this was not a revival or revisal of the original show, but instead it attempted to tell the -the behind-the-scenes story of the making of Shuffle Along. You may also remember that that show closed rather abruptly and unexpectedly less than three months after it opened. There was, however, at least one positive outcome from the early demise of that musical, and that's where Cassine and I begin our conversation. I saw the 2016 George C. Wolfe shuffle along or the making of the musical sensation 1921 and all that followed on the day before it closed, actually. And I was fortunate enough to be an audience member during a talkback. And I was so struck by it because the actors seemed certainly proud of the work that they had done, but also seemed disappointed, frustrated that the show was closing. So this was the 98th performance. I saw it on a matinee and they had ultimately just 100 regular performances of this show before it closed. And I had obviously been to many a Broadway show. And this was the only time where I left the theater feeling really unhappy, actually. It felt funereal and like the shared contribution of Noble Sissel, Yubi Blake, Floynoy Miller, and Aubrey Lyles was being buried yet again. There was no original Broadway cast recording. There was no publicly available video recording. The libretto was never published. And the libretto was quite amorphous, actually. It changed almost nightly. And so when I got home, my curiosity just led me to Googling around a little bit. And I stumbled on some anecdotes that really interest me, one of them being that Langston Hughes chose to attend Columbia University because he wanted to see Florence Mills in Shuffle Along. And he single-handedly credited this show with kickstarting the Harlem Renaissance. And I thought that was fantastic. And then also Josephine Baker getting her start in this show professionally, ending up becoming the highest paid chorus girl in the United States and it directly catapulting her into her international stardom in Paris. 
whether it was those things or I'm Just Wild About Harry, which is a song that I've heard probably countless times in my life and never associated with this show, let alone Black musicians. I just felt like there was much more story to tell than I experienced even in that two and a half hours at the Music Box Theater. And I wanted to try and do my part as a writer to preserve this history. How much did you know about Shuffle Along or any of the artists involved in its creation prior to seeing the show that day? I was familiar with UB Blake, I think, just as as an older gentleman, as someone who was on television quite a lot in the 70s and 80s. And he was a name that I had known. Memories of You was just a song that I had known. Obviously, I'm just all about Harry, of course. But I didn't really know anything about Shuffle Along, and I didn't really know anything about Noble Sissel, Flannery Miller, or Aubrey Lyles. And I should add as well that I was in pretty good company because Audra McDonald had never heard of Shuffle Along before 2015 when she was asked to be in this show. And so I was sort of flummoxed by this, frankly, as someone who lives 12 miles outside of Manhattan. I go into the theater quite often (laughs) for this to have somehow evaded me for this long. At first, I felt sort of embarrassed that I did not know about it. But then I felt actually like it was a great injustice that was not of my doing that I didn't know about it. And I was curious as to how Audra McDonald in particular, who has more Tony Awards for performing than any other person to have ever lived, (laughs) how she did not know about this show and what was at the heart of that. And it's not like it was some insignificant flop musical from the early 1920s. Help us understand just how big a hit Shuffle Along was back in its day. So the 2016 Shuffle Along ran for 100 performances. The 1921 Shuffle Along ran for 504 regular performances in Manhattan. There were three touring companies. One of those touring companies even went into the Deep South. The main touring company went to Boston, Chicago, St. Louis, Baltimore, pretty much every major city from the middle of the United States to the East Coast and up to Canada as well. They were summoned to play in London, and it was really significant because it led to an explosion of all-Black musicals throughout the 1920s. You know, a lot of people regard the 2016 Broadway season, which was the season that gave us George Wolfe's Shuffle Along, but also Hamilton, On Your Feet, Eclipse, Allegiance, the Color Purple Revival, just this beautiful, beautiful season. And people celebrate that as the most diverse season in Broadway history. But there were more Black folks working on Broadway in 1924 than there are today. I mean, that's just an astonishing fact, an indictment, frankly, in a sense. But to get back to the main point, Shuffle Along was a significant cultural moment that brought Black folks to Harlem. It brought white New Yorkers to Harlem and started to change what Harlem became. It really demonstrated that white people will pay for Black artistry when done well. And that was a significant moment, not just to theater, but to entertainment as a whole. Cassine, how would you describe the show overall and what were some of the elements about it that made it so remarkable? I mean, in terms of the structure of the shows themselves, Shuffle Along was a book musical. The book was was relatively thin, but well-written, I should say. 
It introduced jazz and syncopation to Broadway. It introduced a woman's dancing chorus. Prior to Shuffle Along, women were mostly ornamental on stage. It glorified Black women not as objects, but as talents for their voices, for their dancing abilities. It was so significant, in fact, that the traffic patterns on 63rd Street, where the show played, actually had to change. It became a one-way street just about four weeks after Shuffle Along's opening because the traffic was so bad. They had to add a midnight matinee performance because so many other stars of the stage wanted to see this show and otherwise wouldn't have had the opportunity to. So it was incredibly significant. I was especially interested in that section about the midnight matinees because one of the things that fascinates me, and in fact one of the themes of this podcast, is the level of admiration and camaraderie and interaction that took place between so many of the early inventors of the Broadway musical, in this particular case between the black songwriters and performers and the white songwriters and performers which we don't often hear about. The white artist went crazy for this show. You know, Al Jolson is an example of someone who not only came to shuffle along quite often, but would actually also buy 50 tickets and just give them away to friends and say, you have to go see this show. It's interesting because I think sometimes a little bit too much is made. There's almost a a suggestion that, well, white people went to see shuffle along for the purpose of pillaging and co-opting and and taking elements from it for their own shows there obviously was an element of that that happened but i genuinely don't believe that that was the intention and certainly not early on i think in the same way that you would have cynthia Erivo would want to go see Hamilton, if she had a night off from doing Color Purple, this was a novel production. This was a genuine sensation that was changing the sound of Broadway, the look of Broadway, the feel of Broadway. It was an attraction. So certainly entertainers who appreciated art wanted to see this artistry on stage. And more often than not, some of it Deliberately, some of it just subconsciously, elements of what made Shuffle Along so special started to seep into some of these other productions. Yubi Blake himself conducted the orchestra for Shuffle Along, and in footnotes, Cassine includes a quote from Blake in which he recalls that Irving Berlin used to sit behind me at Shuffle Along and he'd say, Tell Mr. Sissel I take my hat off to those lyrics. And Blake also remembers that Fiorella LaGuardia came three times in one week to see the show. Noble Sissel and Floynoy Miller described the initial success of the show this way. They said that white people spread the word and then Negroes came to see the celebrities. There's an interesting story that I don't think I included in footnotes, but Yubi Blake believes that Irvin Berlin actually was inspired quite deliberately, and I'm using inspired sort of loosely, by some of the riffing that the orchestra would do during Shuffle Along. And in fact, I should probably mention, while Shuffle Along had a book and had a, a program, there were 
moments in the show that were unscripted. There was a band called the Harmony Kings that was able to go and spend 15 minutes just kind of doing a musical interlude. And once the actual plot of the show had concluded, Yubi Blake and Noble Sissel would get up on stage and they would kind of do some of their vaudeville act and they would do different bits. It wouldn't be the same every night, which is also great for ticket sales, right? You know, if you're getting a different performance every show. But Irvin Berlin definitely did go and would talk with Yubi and give his compliments, but also Yubi took notice that it sounded like that syncopation started to find its way into Berlin's music in, in very short time. But of course, that kind of cross-pollination goes both ways. U.B. Blake's favorite composer was Victor Herbert, who he admired, emulated, and indeed imitated. Yeah, and, and in fact, U.B. Blake would describe his approach to writing music as like Victor Herbert meets Scott Joplin. And I think you hear it. When you know that that's where he's being influenced, you know, we've been talking a lot about Shuffle Long having a jazz score. But if you listen to a song like Love Will Find a Way, that's more Victor Herbert than it is Scott Joplin. And it's a real beautiful musical theater ballad that wouldn't have been out of place in the Follies. So I think it's actually a great testament to the versatility of U.B. Blake that he was able to write so many different musical styles. It's similar, again, to something like Hamilton, which is often referred to as having a rap score or a rap and R&B score. But there was a lot more going on musically in that show than just one genre. And of course, that's the very nature and essence of musical theater, to be able to take all of these various elements and blend them together into a unified whole. And I should probably also mention, when I say it was an all-Black show, I'm also talking about the orchestra, where every single person was Black. There were also some Black Puerto Rican performers in the orchestra, and they all played every single performance without a single sheet of sheet music. So it was quite phenomenal. You mentioned a few minutes ago that Shuffle Along was a book musical, even though in many places you'll often see it referred to as a review. And the writers of the book were Miller and Lyles, who were big vaudeville stars, just as Cecil and Blake had been. And it was in their vaudeville act that they had originally dreamed up the two leading characters that they played in Shuffle Along and the small southern city called Jimtown, where the story took place. Those early sketches were expanded into the book for Shuffle Along, but it didn't stop there. Those characters and Jimtown had an incredibly long theatrical life. How many musicals were built around those characters? I think it's five. Uh, I'm doing this off the top of my head. I could be wrong, but it's, it's four or five. Yes, five. Shuffle Along, Runnin' Wild, Rang Tang, Keep Shuffling and Sugar Hill. Look at me. I'm you did it. I get nervous when I get my facts wrong. Then I get lots of tweets at me. <laughs> but that was good. What's interesting is they didn't even write all of those shows. You know, those characters were able to survive. So those characters are Steve Jenkins and Sam Peck, 
who kind of similarly to Laurel and Hardy, I would say, if you think of something like March of the Wooden Soldiers, they're still Laurel and Hardy, but they are playing other characters. You know, those two characters would sometimes have a store. Sometimes they were war veterans. Sometimes they worked at a fabric company. In one show, they worked at a molasses company. So they were always these unscrupulous characters who were generally distrusting of each other, but they were also friends and did not want the other person to know that they were distrusting of each other. (laughs) You know, the book of Shuffle Along is interesting to me because it does traffic in racial stereotypes quite a bit, but I also think there is something really clever about about Miller's writing. Perhaps that sounds odd to hear, but I guess what I'm saying is there's really bad vaudeville and bad minstrelsy. And what Miller, what you really see in the book of Shuffle Along is just how clever and witty he was. And it's a shame that that cleverness and that wit, because of the time period, had to be used for that sort of humor. But there isn't a doubt in my mind that Flournoy Miller especially could have written any sort of show. And in fact, he did write several dramas later in his career. His big goal was to create the first Black-owned Broadway house, and they would produce works that were germane to the Black experience. You know, white actors would certainly be allowed, but they would serve stories about the Black experience. And he was working on this earnestly through 1932, when his partner, Aubrey Lyles, who he was working on this with, died quite quickly and unexpectedly. It's a tragedy because obviously there still is no Black-owned Broadway house today. You know, that dream went unfulfilled. Yes, I was very taken with that section of the book where you quote that sort of manifesto that he writes. It's almost a Black national theater that he's proposing. It's an inspiring vision. And as you say, it's a bit tragic to note because it has never been realized, much less by him back in the day. I feel like there are so many moments in footnotes and in their history, their story, where Shuffle Along was a moment that they just happened to catch. And there were so many other moments that they tried to catch and it evaded them. But this one they were able to grab. Don't go away. Broadway Nation will be back right after this short break. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. 
One of the major challenges of writing a book like this is that you have to do a group biography. It's also one of the joys of reading it because it's not just about these four main characters, the two teams that come together to make Shuffle Along happen. It's also about all of these other characters that intersect with them. And what I loved about it is that I could pull 10 names out of the book, people we should know much more about, but that have been somewhat lost to history. Any one of them could be the subject of their own book or documentary or the next Netflix miniseries. James Reese Europe is a great example of this, and that chapter where you focus on him was a revelation for me. I knew his name, I knew a bit about the Cleft Club and the Harlem Hellfighters, but you were able to go into some detail that I'd never heard before. Yeah, and I often say with footnotes, I really wanted people to take from this that Shuffle Along is an example of Black artistry and excellence, not the example. And that, sort of as you are suggesting, you could take any of those chapters and use it as the first chapter to some other book and start writing that. Because I agree, I think that Jim Europe, you know, this is not the first book that I've written, I've written others as well. And there's always this moment where I fall in love with some character who is not my main one. And Jim Europe was that for me. He is like the fifth main character of this book, even though his time in this text is limited. But he hangs over the whole story to me. And your description of that concert in France and his influence on the music scene of the day was so illuminating for me. I feel compelled at this moment to give thanks to my editor because the book came in a wee bit over word count, (laughs) I will say. And to my editor's amazing credit, she understood what I felt compelled to do as I was writing this because there were people Josephine Baker is an easy one. Paul Robeson has some time. Then there are people that people may be less acquainted with. Lottie G, Florence Mills, Adelaide Hall, Valeda Snow, Freddie Washington. There were just all of these great people whose lives intersected with these four men. I should probably also mention Lawrence Dees, who is the actual director of Shuffle Along, who ends up getting removed from the project when it moves to New York because they felt like it would be better to have Walter Brooks, who's a white director, to have his name on the project, even though Walter Brooks did not really direct the show at all. And so I felt like if my thesis, I guess you can say, for this project was that these artists should be better remembered, then I would almost be dishonest if I did not try to find space for these other stories to be told. I really was glad that I was able to take a moment and pay homage to some of the women of the chorus because they were written about as a unit. They were written about in so many of the reviews of the show. Almost every review of the show commented on the chorus, but never by name, never individually. Who these women were were largely forgotten. And so in footnotes, there are at least four or five that really have some equitable time to have readers learn more about them. The dancing in Shuffle Along was one of the most revolutionary aspects of the show, and it received tremendous attention from the press. As Footnotes tells us, a writer for Billboard remarked that, quote, many of our more legitimate chorus sisters could get lessons in ginger by attending a performance of Shuffle Along and watching the sprightliness of its Creole bells. 
and the New York American noted that the dancing was something new for Broadway. At times, it seemed as though nothing would stop the chorus from singing and dancing except bringing down the curtain. They reveled in their work, they simply pulsed with it, and there was no let-up. And gradually, any tired feeling you might have been nursing vanished in the sun of their good humor, and you didn't mind how they shuffled along. You even felt like shuffling a bit with them, all of which I admit isn't usual in dear old 42nd Street. Cassin, was Lawrence Dees the choreographer of Shuffle Along as well as the show's original director? He was. So back during that time, they just sort of referred to the show being staged, staged by, not even directed. And so Lawrence Dees would direct the show and choreograph the show. But credit where it's due, the women also contributed to the choreography. And I think this is something that doesn't get enough credit, that doesn't get acknowledged enough. The way that this would sort of work is Dees would sort of have choreography rehearsal and he would do his moves and you know suggest his moves he was a vaudeville performer and he would encourage the women to maybe try it a little bit differently how does this look for you maybe you can move in a way that i can't and together he provided the skeleton but they collaborated on really building the piece there were actually women of the chorus. Elida uh, Webb is one that's coming to mind, who went on to choreograph and stage other shows. So when you think about representation on Broadway, you're talking in 1923, there were women, Black women, who were in the top creative team of shows playing on Broadway because they came out of the chorus of Shuffle Along. And I should also mention, before the show opened, the editor of Variety saw the four writers, Cecil Blake, Miller, and Lyles, and said, you know, this show is dead in the water because people, particularly white women, will never pay Broadway prices to see Black women on stage. That makes the success of this show all the sweeter. Very few people have ever been proven to be so entirely wrong. Shuffle Along became one of the longest-running Broadway musicals of the 1920s, and it led to a giant wave of black musicals that followed in its wake. We'll pick up that story as Cassine and I continue our discussion in the next episode of this four-part miniseries, 100 Years of Shuffle Along. There's just one fellow for me in this world. Harry's his name, that's what I claim. For every fellow, there must be a girl. I found my mate by kindness of fate. Yes, I'm just wild about Harry. Harry's wild about me. Broadway Nation is written and produced by me. David Armstrong. If you enjoyed this podcast, I invite you to join my Broadway Nation Facebook group, where there's a large and lively community of musical theater enthusiasts. And if you'd like to hear more about the early Black inventors of the Broadway musical, you may want to check out episodes three and four of Broadway Nation. Special thanks to everyone at KVSH 101.9, the voice of beautiful Vashon Island, Washington, and to the entire team at the Broadway Podcast Network. I'm just wild about Harry. Oh, God. Harry's wild about me. Tell the world. All the heavenly blisses of his kisses fill me with ecstasy. Be careful, honey. He's sweet just like <laughs> chocolate candy. <laughs> That's me. Just like honey from the bee. Oh, baby. Oh, I'm just wild about Harry. And guess what? And he's just right. wild about Cannot do right. He's just wild uh, about me. If you're just wild about this podcast, I invite you to become a patron of Broadway Nation. 
For a contribution of just $7 a month, you can receive exclusive access to the complete unedited versions of many of the interviews that you hear on this podcast. And in fact, I often record nearly twice as much conversation as ends up in the podcast version. You will also have access to additional in-depth conversations with my frequent co-host Albert Evans that have not been featured on Broadway Nation. And all patrons will receive special on-air shout-outs and acknowledgments of your vital support for this podcast. To join, go to broadwaynationpodcast.supercast.tech, that's S-U-P-E-R-C-A-S-T dot tech, or you can find the link in the show notes to this episode or in our Broadway Nation Facebook group, which I also invite you to join. Broadway Nation is written and produced by me, David Armstrong. Special thanks to Pals Mox for his help with editing episodes, to KVSH 101.9, the voice of beautiful Vashon Island, Washington, and to the entire team at the Broadway Podcast Network. Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.